God. I'm glad you guys were able to tune in. If you like FCC, click like and subscribe. Follow us on Facebook. And I want to challenge you to uh, send this to somebody. Also, this is fertile ground here. Consider planting a seed. Visit us at uh, our Facebook page, FCC. God bless. Oh, I'm excited about this series. We're starting a seven-part series. Pastor Carl and I are going to alternate bringing this message. It's called The Blessed Life. But before we do that, I would like you just to uh, repeat some words after me. Say accept, love, forgive, reach up, reach in, and reach out. That is the summation of what our, our vision here. We will accept, love, and forgive everyone who walks through our doors. We will reach up in our worship, which we just did. We will reach in in discipleship like on Wednesday nights. And we will reach out in evangelism, trying to help those who are lost and show them the way. Now here's the thing. There is a way. John 14, 6, Jesus himself answered and said, I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. There's not multiple ways, contrary to popular belief. There's only one way, and that way is Jesus Christ. And you know the way, and we're responsible to share that. Praise God. Today, the title of today's message is the Blessed Life Series, but it is all about the heart. All about the heart. I'm going to get into that in just a second. We... You and I, we can all do a little bit better. I'll share. I'll prove that to you just real quick. Have you ever looked back at your past and said, man, if I could go back and change a couple things. If I could go back and correct or tweak a few things, my life would be further along. I would, I would correct some mistakes. I wouldn't go there and do that thing with that person, or I wouldn't go this direction, or I wouldn't accept that job. Whatever the situation, if you went back with the knowledge you have today, you could tweak things and possibly make it better. Would you agree? Now, let's just pause for a moment. Here we are in 2020. Let's fast forward to year 2025. Would it be a possibility, sitting then, looking back to now, that you would say the same thing? If I could just go back tweak a couple things what we're going to share today the principles if you apply them because you can have it in your not in your mind in your knowledge but if you don't apply it it doesn't help you you can have all the books that the college owns in your house but if you don't read them and apply the material it's not going to help you the the principles that we're going to teach throughout this series if you apply them they will i promise you change your life your marriage, your job, your health, your career. It will change every aspect. Why? Because it's the perspective that God wants us to have. It's the proper perspective. Here's something that I call boomerang effect. It's listed in Matthew 7, 1 and 2, and it's also in Luke 6, 37 and 38. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn... And you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. 
a good measure, pressed down, shaken together and overflowing, will be poured into your lap. For the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. This is also called the law of sowing and reaping. Uh, I call it boomerang effects. Every day, each of us are throwing boomerangs with your words, your thoughts, your actions. You're throwing them out. And the things that you throw out there and put out there into the world are going to come back multiplied force back at you. Similar to a boomerang. Now, in this verse, nowhere in there do you see the word money. Oftentimes, people share this verse with money, and it could, the principles apply, could be to money, but that's not what it's saying. What it's saying is, whatever, if you cast judgment on someone, criticism, look out. It's coming back to you. Guaranteed. See, the world will call this karma. They didn't make this up, new age and everything else. A lot of what they found, they're trying to recycle what is in the word of God. You give grace and mercy, you too will receive grace and mercy. It'll come back to you. See, you know, in this world today, everybody's got an opinion. Just look at Facebook. Everybody's an expert at everything. And if you know some of them, you wonder, huh? really? What I'm saying is, how much grace... How much mercy, how much forgiveness are you seeing on there? Right? I'm going to tell you what. I, I've lived it. I, I'm being, I've been there. I've been a critical person. Sitting in the pews. Well, the praise team should do this. The pastor should say it a little bit more loving and kind. He's a little gruff. He's a little aggressive. Okay. That, you know, Possibly. But it's easy to be an armchair quarterback. Right? You can call all the best plays after the game's done. You know what they should have did? The quarterback should have ran over here. They should have passed this over. It's easy. But when you start to lead, when you're the one in charge, when the buck stops with you, what's you going to say then? But here's the thing. Here's the secret. We're all leaders. Somebody's watching you. Someone's following you. Someone values your advice and your opinion. Someone is, is interested in how you look at things. They're listening to you. You are leading someone somewhere. Now, the question is, are you leading with proper perspective? Or is it what Jesus said to the Pharisees? Now, this is an interesting thing. I've heard people say, you need to be more Christ-like. Jesus said to the Pharisees, you're the blind leading the blind. And you're going to lead them into a ditch. Now, Jesus was perfect. All loving. God is love, right? Now, that was truth, right? But it doesn't sound very loving. But it's truth. The Pharisees were leading people astray, and Jesus was trying to lead them on the right way. He had a proper perspective. And here we see in this place, there's a proper perspective. When you give forgiveness, you'll get forgiveness. Matter of fact, in the Lord's Prayer, forgive me of my transgressions as I forgive others. Right? If you want forgiveness, you've got to give forgiveness. Right? We can, we can criticize leadership and people that we see here and there, but how much grace and mercy, how much prayer are you giving for them? 
Because when I read my word, it says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and I will heal their land. In that verse, I don't see anything. If you backstab them, if you criticize them, you dog them out, you, you judge them, I don't see that in any of those verses. If my people humble themselves and pray. doesn't say if they deserve it, pray for them. If they're kind, pray for them. If you agree with them, pray for them. Because my word says, the word of God says, pray for your enemies and those who persecute you that's a tall order i know but that's what the word of god tells us when we see this this verse it says that everything that you give is going to come back to you and in the measure or the amount that you give it you give a little grace you're going to get a little grace you give a lot you're going to get a lot back i i often do this and i'll yeah i got it this time I give smiles and try to get smiles back. Sometimes they'll snarl at you. That's okay. God's not done with them yet. You get what you give, you're going to get back. You want friends? Be friendly. You want love? Share a little love. Give a compliment. Find something about the person or situation that you can say is good. Find something. Because here's what I know. Your focus becomes your reality. The thing that you hold in your mind most is going to become the most real to you. And if you're just staring at a problem all day long, your world, your situation, your paradigm is going to just seem uh, negative. Giving is a regular part of a Christian's lives. Not just of materialistic things, but all the other things. The grace, the mercy, the forgiveness. It's all about the heart. And here's what Matthew tells us in chapter 6. For where your treasure is, your heart will be also. Now a lot of people will say, well the church is just after my money. Uh, no. I didn't write the Bible. And that was Jesus talking. Where your treasure is, your heart will be also. Who wants your heart? Jesus. Here's the interesting thing. Uh, you could care less about a stock until you invest in it, and then you're probably watching it every day on your phone, on your app, on your computer. You're looking at it. Is it going up? Is it going down? If you invest in silver, you're trying to watch where silver is going. And what is the things that affect your 401K, your pension, or your savings account? Whatever it is, Wherever you put your money, that's where you're going to be paying attention to. Someone who might be gambling on the game, they're going to be paying attention. They're going to pay close attention to the score, right? And if the, the main player of the person on the team you want to win gets injured, you're going to have some feelings about that. Why? Because that's where your heart is. Where your treasure is, your heart is also. You want to know where so, what someone values the most? Not that they'll show you, but you look at their checkbook. You're going to see what they value the most in life, where they invest. Now, we have opportunity to invest in the teens in Winterfest. You have opportunities to invest in this church, which is Soil Ground, and we've been helping. Um, we've helped homeless people here. We've helped poor people with food and gas and different things. That As much as we can do, this is fertile soil. And we're also trying to reach the community and beyond. This isn't, today's message isn't about 
money. It's about your heart. Where do you put your resources? Your heart follows your treasures. You'll check those stocks. You'll look at those things. And that's what Jesus was telling. That's not Pastor Felix. That's him. But in Deuteronomy 15.7, that's where we want to spend a lot of our time today. If you want to go to Deuteronomy chapter 15, we're looking at, uh, the, we're going to start in chapter 7. And there's some interesting verses here. And there's, there's four principles that I want to get through, and I'm going to charge through them here. Hopefully you can follow along, but the, the main texts are going to be found here. And when we read in this scripture, it says, Beware that there not be a thought in thy wicked heart, saying, The seventh year is the year of release is at hand, and thine eye be evil against the poor. What it's saying is, back if you go to the, the previous verses, in, in that old time, every seven years was a year of jubilee, a year of release. They canceled every debt. How many people would want to do that again? Every seven years, you're debt-free, right? So what he's telling you is be generous to the poor, and if someone's asking you for a loan, give it to them, give it liberally. But if you're thinking it's a loan and they got to pay me back, and in six months is the year of release, and i got to cancel that, he's saying don't, don't let that be in the back of your mind. Beware that there not be that thought in thy wicked heart, saying the seventh year of release is at hand, and they, thy uh, eye be evil against the poor brother, and thou givest him not. And he cried against you to the Lord, and it be sin unto thee. King James is a little, little choppy, sometimes a little interesting, but it's the most, one of the most accurate renderings of Scripture. And what it's saying is, if, you, if a poor person comes to you for assistance, and you refuse them, they can complain to the Lord, and the Lord's going to take their case like a judge in heaven. Now, here's the thing. We, there was a young man coming to our church, and we, we had been helping him. He came before Christmas. We helped him with some stuff, and then he needed some gas money. We helped him with some gas money. He wanted some, some, some food. We gave him some food, and, and he just kept coming back and kept coming back, kept coming back. And then, I, then finally I said, brother, you've got to go through the process. We got a benevolence committee. Come talk to them and let them deal with it. And according to what we can do, come talk to them. And he wouldn't come. A Monday morning rolls around. Oh, sorry, Pastor, I missed church. But listen, this is what I need. Now my insurance for my car is due, and I got to drive, and I got to. I said, Brother, I already told you, I can't. And just so you all know, I, I, I don't have control of the checkbook here. You got to go through the process. There's a benevolence committee. It goes to the office. They'll help meet that need. There's, there's not, I don't have a magic bag of goodies to give you. But he kept refusing to go through the process. So am I refusing the poor? No. No, we, we helped him. But now we also got to be careful. We got to be good stewards of what God has given us. We did a little research. We called around to some of the other churches and he had been hitting them all. And they, they know him by name. They got a record of him. Doesn't mean we won't help him again. Man, we're going to pray for him, counsel him, teach him to be a good steward of what he does have. So would that be refusal? No. That's just being good steward. We did help. We will help. But we got to be good stewards as well. 
So it's all about the heart. We've got to deal with the selfish heart. Why aren't you helping? If you're not helping because you know they're, gonna, they're hustling you, that's one thing. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a pure, true need. You got two sandwiches, they got none, and they're hungry. Why aren't you going to give up a sandwich? Right? You can't give what you don't have. I'm telling you, right? I'm not... Uh, uh, Peter said to, to the cripple, he says, gold and silver have I none, but what I have I give unto thee, stand and walk. And what he had was the spirit of the living God. You can't give what you don't have, but what you do have, if you got a little extra, we're obligated to help those people. It's all about the mindset and all about the heart. And I'm going to talk about that because this is an area that I used to, I used to struggle with because I'm like, hey, I made mine, you, you got to go get yours. That was the wrong perspective. That comes from a spirit of greed, lack, limitation, and poverty. I grew up poor, so that was a struggle. Hey, man, you go get yours. I'll show you where I got my job. You go get your. Half-truths will lead you astray. Here's a question that is, is popular. Why did God create giving? Why, does anyone is brave enough to give me an answer? Why did God create giving? Do you think he needs it? See who's going to be obedient? That's a good one. Thank you, Elder Dev. That is part of it. God created giving not that he needs it because he is source. He created all heaven and earth. He owns all the gold and silver as his. If, they, if we ran out, he would create more. He created it. He brought manna down from heaven. Uh, manna is, a, is a, uh, like cornflakes from heaven that came down to Israel while they are in the desert. He also, they complained because they didn't have any meat. He brought them quail. Made it show up in the desert. If you know quail, quail's a bird that lives by water. And he made him come to the desert to prove a point. God doesn't need it, but what he does by telling us to give is he works out of us selfishness and greed. Giving works out selfishness and greed. Because if you're selfish and greedy, you won't give. And if you do give, it's like, oh... I wish I didn't do that. I could have used that for this. I got my own stuff. I got things I got to pay. But God made this for us. And here's the second thing. So that's first. It's all uh, deal with a selfish heart. Number two, deal with a grieving heart. Thou shalt surely give, and thy heart shall not be grieved when thou givest unto him. Because for, for that thing, the Lord, the God, shall bless thee in all thy works, and all that they put to your hand. When you're generous, God blesses you. And another scripture says, he gives seed to the sower. The person that's passing it out, he keeps giving you more. But when you stop passing it out, there's no reason for him to give it to you. Then you only have what you got. And how many know the harder you squeeze into water or sand, it pours through your fingers? The, the trick, the key in ministry, and I didn't learn this then all of life, I didn't learn this till later, is keep it flowing. Churches ought not to have a huge savings account. They got to be helping the poor. We got to meet our needs. We got to have an emergency fund. I'm not talking about that. But then we got to start helping. We help the soup kitchen. We help the missionary. We help uh, the, the, the boys' home or the girls' home or the camps and the youth. And we, we help. We got to keep it flowing. Soon as you stop keeping it flowing, then he stops giving you. Right? We got to keep it moving. That $2 that's been crumbled up in your pocket for five weeks, 
keep it flowing. What you going to do with $2 anyway? Can't hardly buy a coffee anymore with $2. So, uh, but I guarantee you this, you sow it into something, it's going to show up somewhere else. Deal with a grieving heart. Have you ever made a pledge or a commitment to give some money to something, and then you have a car breakdown or a flat tire, and you're like, oh, I just made a pledge, but now I have a need. I believe that God's trying to see where your heart is. Are you going to stick to what you said you were going to do? Are you going to continue? Because sure, as you make that pledge, something's going to happen. And you're going to be like, well, you know, I, I wanted to sponsor that little kid in Africa that don't got no food. But, you know, I need my, my shoes are wore out. I need some new Nikes. You got five pairs in the closet. Oh, it got quiet. It, Hopefully it's because you're processing it and not getting angry with me. Smile at me if you love me. I ain't judging you because I got some shoes in the closet too. Well, if my boys put them back. But if what I'm saying is you're blessed to be a blessing, not to hoard for yourself. And, and we can't grieve. When you do share, don't be like, oh, I wish I, I could have spent that money. We see this in the Bible when Mary anoints the feet of Jesus with an alabaster box and a, and, a, and a costly perfume. And then we got Judas over here complaining, oh, that, that was worth a lot of money. I should have. She did a good thing. He was saying that because he was a thief and a robber. And he wanted that money in the purse so he could have access to it. Don't let your heart be grieved for being generous. Money given back to you doesn't always come. When you sow a seed, it doesn't always come from the place you sow it. If you give to the teens, it doesn't mean the teens going to repay you back. God might be saving you from a flat tire. Someone might pay for your lunch at the next restaurant or your coffee. It, it's not like a tit-for-tat thing. It's But here's what I know. You give uh, if I give grace to this person over here, I might get grace from my professor. If I give uh, mercy to this person, uh, when I get a speeding ticket, he might, or I should get one, he might have mercy on me. You get what I'm saying? Who needs a little more grace and mercy in their life? Say amen. amen. Praise God. The third one, develop a generous heart. And verse 14, Deuteronomy 15, 14, Thou shalt furnish him liberally out of thy flock. That's like his bank account. They, they were farmers. And out of thy floor, the threshing floor where they had the wheat. And out of thy wine press. So they had, he had a flock, he had wheat, he had uh, the grapes. And, and where the Lord thy God have blessed thee, thou shalt give unto him. So out of all your resources. So that means if you have a savings account, and they have a need, and it's a just and right need, and you're not helping, do you think God's going to continue to bless you to store up more? Just a thought. Just a thought. I'm not casting judgment because I'm preaching to myself right now. You hear me? Develop a generous heart. In Luke 6.30, it says, Give, and it shall be given unto you. Right? We know that God so loved the world that he gave. He gave the most precious thing, his son, Jesus Christ. 
This is one of the things that is hard to teach, and it's human nature. Have you ever had a little kid? Uh, I, my wife used to run a daycare, and I'd, I'd watch the kids sometimes. And you might see this with your own children or if you've ever babysat. Say there's a, there's a toy right here. He's not playing with it. He's over here playing with a different toy. The new kid comes in and walks towards the toy. He picks up this toy, runs over here, and says, I was playing with that. That's mine. Now he's got two toys in his hand. This is mine. Mine. This is mine. I'm playing with that. And he runs back to the other corner. Mine. And the, the new kid's like, what? You got two. I don't have none. I'm just standing here. And I bet if he found something else, the little kid with two toys is going to try to pick that up too. Oh, that's mine. And he's going to have three. That's human nature. And we got to teach kids to share. What is God telling us? Nope, that's mine. That's my savings account. I saved it. It's all mine. I put it there. Mine. Mine, mine, mine. You can't have none. Go get your own toy. God's telling us, grow up. Share. It's human nature, so we got to work at it, right? Just like that little kid. They're not meaning to be evil. But they're going to claim every toy in the nursery as theirs, and they can't possibly play with them all at the same time. You know, I wouldn't even say it's human nature. My dog does the same thing. When another dog comes in the room, he goes and grabs his toy and brings it over here. Leaves it, go grabs the next bone, and puts it over here. Now it has like a little pile. It's like, you selfish little dog. And, the, and then, then, then the Lord shows me a mirror. What about you, buddy? Oh. Okay. So we can teach the, the kids and we can teach the pets, but can you teach yourself to be generous, to have a generous heart? God's telling us to grow up and to be like him because he gave. So we have, number one, deal with a selfish heart. Number two, deal with a grieving heart. Don't let your generosity create like, oh, man, why would I do that? Because the, the stinginess. Number three, develop a generous heart. You, uh, give and be open with it. Here's the thing. When we don't, when we're not open with it, there's something, um, I would say, there's a challenge in our relationship with God. Because either he is source and the creator of all things, and when he says, I am Jehovah Jireh, I am your provider, either I believe that or I don't. I walk in that faith or I don't. God's not going to put me in a position where I am going without. You may not have your wants, but I'm sure you have your needs. Paul said, I've been young and I've been old. I've never seen the righteous forsaken or their seed begging for bread. God's going to take care of his children. Number four, develop a grateful heart. All that we have, all that we've been given is from God. All of it. In this passage, let's read this passage, uh, verse 15. And thou shalt remember that thou wast a bondsman. That means a slave in Egypt. And the Lord redeemed thee. Therefore, I command thee this day to be generous. He's talking to Israelites, but he's also talking to us. Let me break it down for you. Israel, the Jews, were slaves in Egypt for 400 years. They were slaves. 
And God sent Moses, and with his might and his power and ten plagues, he convinced the Egyptians to let his people go. Right? The Exodus story. You were a slave to sin. And Jesus came and died on the cross for you and I, and we were redeemed, purchased back. He bought us with his blood. Though he was innocent, he died on the cross for us. He redeemed us. And God is telling us, remember what, we, uh, what I did for you. Remember that you were a slave, and I set you free. Christ set us free by redeeming us on the cross. He paid the price that we couldn't pay. There's no way that we could pay it. And he did that for us, for you and for me. So here's what he wants us to remember. Deal with a selfish heart. Deal with a grieving heart. Develop generosity in your life. And be grateful. Be grateful. You might say, Pastor, you just don't know my situation. I don't have a lot. I'm lucky just to have gotten here today. Man, praise God. I'm glad you're here. I'm not casting judgment at all. I don't know where you're at. I don't know your particular perspective. But this is what I do know. If you're a child of God, he's going to take care of you. You don't have to worry about being generous. You don't have to worry about uh, if, if you're going to have enough. He is going to take care of you. Now, the real question is, how good is your relationship with him? How much do you trust him? Trust is built through relationship. The closer you walk and talk with someone, the more you learn to trust them. You just meet someone like, hey, can I borrow the keys of your car real quick? I got to run up. Like, Ooh, I just bought that. I, and then you hear something like, well, you're not on my insurance plan, so probably not. But if it's someone you know real good, your friend, your relative, someone who's real tight, and you know, hey, if they break it, they're, they're going to take care of it. Why? Because I know them and I trust them. Yeah, man, here's the key. What's the difference between the two? Relationship. Right? How close, how faithful, how much are you developing your relationship with Jesus Christ? Because that's where the trust comes in. And when you trust him, you can walk by faith. I can, I can, look, let me, I don't, uh, I don't got no money, but I'm going to get some money. And I can, I cannot worry about it. I know I got a bill due at the end of the week. God knows I got a bill due at the end of the week also. But I felt him telling me to do that, so I'm going to do it. Now, he didn't tell you to. But we got to be sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit, amen? We got to let him lead and guide us. We got to be good stewards, Absolutely. You know, don't let somebody hustle you. Be a good steward. Be, be, use wisdom. All those things apply. If I could have a praise team come up. Just, we're going we're gonna to end this here just briefly. But I want to drive these principles home one more time. Deal with a selfish heart. Deal with a grieving heart. Develop a generous heart. And develop a grateful heart. What are we grateful for? We're grateful for what Christ did for us. And how he is our provider, our healer. He is our everything. He is source. He's a giver of life and death. He is our healer. It says by his stripes that he paid with his beating, the crown of thorns, when they pierced him in the side, they pierced his hands and feet and put him on the cross. He paid the price for our healing. But we don't have that relationship with him. So what, what do we do when we have an ailment? We 
run to the doctor. We don't pray to the Father. When, we, when our tooth hurts, we go to the dentist. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but have you prayed first? That's all I'm saying. That's relationship, right? Do we trust he's going to do it or not? We might trust that he's able and he might do it for someone else, but sometimes we don't trust that he'll do it for us because we feel unworthy. But you don't have to earn it. My kids don't have to earn my love. They don't have to ask me, will you please feed me this week? I'm going to feed them. If I'm able, as long as I can, I'm going to do what I can for them. They don't have to earn it or deserve it. I'm going to take care of them because they're my children. You are the same. You are God's child. He wants to take care of you. He wants to bless you. I want the, ble the best for them. I'd love to take care of them as much as I could in a grandiose way without making them spoil brats. But they got to trust also that God's doing his best. Now, here's the thing. Uh, I'm their father, but they got a heavenly father. And he's more faithful. He's got endless supply. My supply is not endless, but the father's is. When I can't meet the need, God surely can. Amen? Let's just stand to our feet just for a moment. And this is what I want you to, to think and pray. Holy Spirit... What do I have to deal? What do I have to deal with? I want to live a blessed life. I want to walk in that faith and understanding. What do I got to do? What do I have to give up? Do I have a grieving heart? Do I have a selfish heart? If you guys would just begin to sing. Ask yourself that. Let Holy Spirit minister. And if there's some among you that you don't know who Jesus is as your Lord and Savior, these promises aren't for you yet. It can be. These altars are open. I want to pray with you. I want to introduce you and help you with that situation. It's all about relationship, not religiosity. Mm -hmm.